Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. If you're visiting for the very first time, we're glad that you're here. If you're feeling like you're still new and checking things out, I pray that you experience God's presence as we worship and gather in His name. Well, welcome to week three of Church Community. Church community is very special to me. Up until I was 30 years old, I moved every two to four years. So I never knew what it was like to have friends for a long time. When I was young, there was no Facebook, there was no social media, there was no email. So when I moved, relationships stopped. So after 30 years, the church is the first place. The first time and the first place I found a place to belong. And it wasn't just a place, it was a people to belong to. And whether we're aware of it or not, that's, that's a need for everyone. And so here we are in this series entitled Church Community. The church is, in week one, we talked about what is the church. And uh, the church is not a building, it's not a religion, it's not um, a worship service, although I loved our worship service. I love worship. But it's more than that. The church is the people of God, people who have received Christ. We are the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. In week two, we talked about what is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to reach the lost. And I'm so glad that Chris brought that point out loud and clear because it is so easy to forget that our purpose is to help everybody else experience God. The purpose of the church is to build the body. And by building, we mean building faith and building hope and building our capacity to love. The Apostle Paul was taken up into heaven and things were revealed to him that we will one day see. And out of that experience, he came back and he said, the world as we know it, one day will pass away. But three things will remain. He said they are faith, hope, and love. And the purpose of the church is to build all three in his people. The purpose of the church, last but not least, is to honor God. We're going to talk more about that at the end of this message. But that leads us to today, week three. The question for today is, who leads the church? To explore this, we go to Acts chapter 20, in verse 28, where we read, Be care- Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now, before we unpack that verse, it will be helpful to understand the background. Uh, This is Luke who is writing, and he's actually quoting the Apostle Paul. And toward the end of Paul's life, the Lord had revealed to Paul and confirmed through several believers on a number of occasions that at the end of Paul's life, that his life would face, he would be in jail, and he would experience suffering in Jerusalem, For the kingdom of God. 
Now, before he left the, re the region of Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey, he called for the elders of the church, he called for the overseers of the church in Ephesus. And he gathered them together because he knew that he would not see them again. And so when he gathered them together, knowing that he was leaving and not going to see them to, again, this was the context when he said what we just read. He said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Quick observation. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the overseers. The over, an overseer is a person who takes care of people and things. A person who takes care of people and things. Wisdom was revealed when the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to use the word overseer. Overseer is a general term that can be applied at many levels of caring for the church. Let me give you a few examples. If you're in a life group, who is the overseer of your life group? If your group, it'll be different for many, if your group meets at uh, Burger King in Tumon, your, life, your, your overseer is Al Alvaro. <laughs> uh, if, if your group meets on Wednesday nights at the University of Guam, your overseer is Val, Van Spell. <laughs> If uh, your group meets in Jigo, your overseer is Chris Brown. <laughs> and the list goes on. That's one level of overseeing in the church. We call them life group leaders. Who is the overseer of Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship? If you're new, it's okay if you didn't know. <laughs> My name is Mark, the pastor at Life in the Sun. <laughs> Okay, this one's a little harder. Who is the overseer of all the Every Nation churches on Guam? Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott Dalma. You know him. He's been here several times. Big, tall guy. Grew up on Guam. Lives in Japan. Okay, here's another one. Who is the overseer of all the Every Nation churches in Asia? Yes. Pastor June Escosar. By the way, Pastor June will be here in June. <laughs> He'll be here with his team on June 24th. Okay, who is the overseer of Every Nation Churches globally? Steve Murrell. I think we have a picture of him. There he is, Pastor Steve Murrell. Overseer is a very good word. It applied when our church was just a little Bible study of students meeting at the University of Guam. It also applies to a global community of churches. Paul says several things in this passage. Number one, he said, pay careful attention. I have a, I have a question for you. Pay careful attention to what? It's up on the screen. Well, let's go to the next slide. Yeah, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock, which is the church. So we know that Paul was talking to the overseers. So he's saying, overseers, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. 
So let's look at each of these. We'll start with overseers. What Paul is talking about when he says pay attention to yourselves is this. Fortunately, there is actually a long list of what to pay attention to based on other letters that Paul had written. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll read uh, all of it here, uh, first three verses. He said, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. Also in Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, he said to Titus, I left you on the island of Crete so that you could complete your work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. An elder must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife, and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. An elder is a manager of God's household. So he must live a blameless life. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent or dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. And then he will be in able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. So all of these are qualifications for leadership. So here we have a list of qualifications for leadership in the church. When I first read these 30 years ago, I'm just going to be honest with you, I was very discouraged because I did not measure up. And you might feel the same way when you read a list like this. And I want to give you a word of advice. It may take a long time. But if you will keep your eyes on Jesus, if you will follow him, if you will rely on him to direct you, to guide you, to help you live each day for him, there will come a day when God has changed you and developed these qualities in your life. And out of the change, you will have the authority to speak into the lives of people who are following in your footsteps as you follow Christ. My first leadership role was to disciple two guys in my dorm. I was at the University of Hawaii. My job was to stay one chapter ahead. That's how it starts. The expectation of a small group leader is not the same as the director of Asia. Just apply what you have learned. Just live up to what you have attained. God is looking for faithfulness. He who is faithful in a little will be given more. And so here's a summary of all of these qualifications. They fall into four categories. They are moral qualifications, relational qualifications, family, and spiritual qualifications. New Testament church leadership is based on divine calling and developed character, not on economic or social status. 
Most of the biblical qualifications for leadership deal with the ability to properly relate to others, especially family. Only one has, that is the ability to teach, only one has to do directly with public ministry. Sadly, the ability to teach or preach is highlighted and sometimes at the expense of equally important qualifications, which can be ignored. It doesn't matter how good a man preaches or how prominent he is in the community. If his personal life and his family life is out of order, he is not qualified to be a church leader. These verses list the character traits of a pastor or a local church leader. Secondly, if you desire to be a leader, you need to be sure you're operating in the assignment that the Lord has given you. Let's go back to what Paul said earlier, Acts chapter 20. He said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. If you're serving God in some way, you need to know that God has assigned you to the thing that you're doing. If you're sure, then you can be confident and humble. Be confident because God has put you there and be humble because God has put you there. If the Lord is in it, other leaders will recognize it and they will appoint you to be a part of ministry. Here's an example. This is Acts chapter 14 in verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This is an example of seasoned leaders appointing new leaders. You know, one day I was spending time alone with, with God, and uh, he said to me, a year from now, you'll be working at the church. And a year later, three different every nation leaders asked me if I would work at the church. Human appointment is a confirmation. Terry and I are going to be traveling to Singapore and Manila next month. Uh, during this trip, we have the opportunity to teach, to teach inner healing at uh, Victory Christian International School, uh, a school closely associated with our Every Nation Church family. We also have the opportunity to teach inner healing with Victory Group leaders in Manila. Uh, we call them life group leaders. Uh, they call them Victory Groups. These are the small group leaders of our Every Nation Church in Manila. Keep us in prayer. It's an opportunity for us to give back to a church that has supported us for the last 25 years. And the reason I'm sharing this is to make a point. Years ago, Terry and I adopted a policy that we would do inner healing ministry by invitation only. In other words, we don't advertise ourselves. We simply wait until we're invited. This is a way of saying to you, invitation is a form of human appointment. When you're invited to do ministry, that can be a confirmation of God's assignment. Having said that, we're going to turn a corner and talk about what is the role of an overseer. As I mentioned earlier, there are many levels of overseeing. The principles that I'm going to share with you could apply at any level. But I'm going to speak specifically about the job of the pastor. What is the pastor's job? Somebody made a play on words using the founder of Apple. They made a t-shirt for Steve Merle, and this is what it says. Steve's job 
is to make disciples. <laughs> Here are three principles to help us do that. John chapter 21 Jesus said to Peter, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Not just academic, not just by presenting Bible studies. I want you to think of feeding like feeding the soul and the food is the presence of God. And you can do that in a number of ways. You could feed someone's heart with life-giving words of encouragement. You could feed a person's heart by setting up a time of worship. Uh, you could feed people's heart by taking your life group on a half-day retreat at Retidian and saying, okay, everybody, find a coconut tree, find some shade under a tree, bring your Bible and your journal. We're going to take two hours just to be with God, and then we're going to gather together as a group and share what God is saying and what God is doing. There's all kinds of ways that you can feed the sheep. It doesn't have to be like what I'm doing right now. There's another thing that is the job of the overseer. 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter said, Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. So lead by your example. That's why it's important to pay attention to your character. That's why we talked about that long list of character traits in the beginning. People are watching, and they see your response in circumstances. And how you respond is how you lead. So the first role is to feed, the second is to lead. The third is found in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. Paul said he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You know, yesterday the ladies met with their mugs and their muffins and Terry had asked Jackie and Marivelle to share as part of the ladies' time together. By the way, they did a great job. You see, the goal is not for Terry and I to do the ministry. The goal is to equip you to do the ministry. To feed, to lead, and to equip others. I think one of the best things that I can do to help equip us for a lifetime of ministry is to set the stage, to create the environment, to set the foundation for a good experience in stepping out in ministry. Your life group is a great place to start. It's a safe place. It's a place where they're all friends. It's okay to make mistakes, and you can learn from each other. You can grow in your confidence and in your experience with God and the Word of God. But one thing that I think is very important for all of that to feel safe is to create a culture of honor. Our vision statement, the very first thing we say, that we exist to honor God. This is so important. In fact, the reason it's so important is 
There are ten commandments. The first four have to deal with your relationship with God. The second, the next six have to do with your relationship with people. And the very first commandment that talks about your relationship with people talks about honor. It says, honor your mother and your father. The Bible goes on to say, if you do this, life will go well with you. And so it's the first commandment with a promise. So it's so important to learn how to honor. Uh, My wife is a great example. Um, I know you guys, spouses, couples in here, you don't have this problem, but every once in a while we get into a conflict. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, the kids are at home or we might be around company and she is very good about holding it until we are by ourselves. <laughs> and I, I so appreciate that. You know, at first it used to just irk me when she would bring it up in private. But later I realized that was such a blessing. If you're married, you're blessed. You have an automatic social coach. <laughs> you know, one of my things, I mean, she knows all of my weaknesses, all of my flaws. I don't know how transparent I want to be today. <laughs> But one of them is I just used to eat way too fast. I mean, like I would just scarf down my food. And we might be with other people at a restaurant. And they're having a conversation and they're talking and I'm like focused on my plate. (laughs) And then later she would just, for years, she would talk to me and go, you know what, you need to slow down. And she would sometimes bump me under the table with her foot. (laughs) You know, and look at people in the eye and talk with them. And I'm just finally getting it after many years. (laughs) But you know, one thing that helped me to get it is the Lord began to speak to me about what are the ways of royalty. Because the Bible says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And I began to meditate on that and think about how do I behave, how do I act, and how do I need to change and grow in order to reflect royalty? Now, it's interesting, the theme in this PowerPoint template is a royal purple. And uh, I noticed today lots of people are wearing royal blue. And, you know, God has called us to live in a way that honors him, He also wants to honor us. He's called us to royalty. The Lord has begun to speak to my heart about how do I respond to people? How do I carry myself? What's the attitude of my heart? And I think one of the best ways we can do that is to develop a culture of honor. To honor God, but also to honor people as a form of honoring God. You know, I wondered earlier how transparent I would be I, I think I'll be a little more transparent with you. I'm just going to tell on myself. I did not know how to do this most of my life. I have to say for the first 40 years. If I'm to be real honest, I'll tell you, I was actually quite rebellious in my heart. Hardly anybody knew it. Maybe my wife knew. Uh, my dad knew. But hardly anybody knew because I'm an introvert and I'm quiet. I was like this passive-aggressive People might be saying one thing, and on the outside I'm listening and nodding my head, but in my heart I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And you know, the place where that affected me the most was in my relationship with supervisors over the years. It seemed like every job I went to, one way or another, I ran into difficulty with my supervisors. And one day, I decided this, this one job I had, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to go get another job, and I did. And I tell you, the first day on the new job, the new supervisor was just like my old supervisor. <laughs> just like him. And you know, the Lord used that situation to say, Mark, guess what is the common denominator? It's you. And I began to do some soul searching. And I realized it went all the way back to my relationship with my parents. I did not learn how to honor them. I used to sneak out. I was secretive. I did all kinds of things. I know none of you can relate to that. But that's who I was. And I carried that with me into adulthood in my relationships with other people, especially supervisors. It wasn't until I quit that one job, first day landed on the new job, same exact kind of supervisor, and I thought, Lord, okay, I, I hear you. I need to deal with some things on the inside. And I began to go back and deal with my attitude toward my parents. And nobody has perfect parents. None of us do. I'm not a perfect parent. It's not so much what happened to us, it's how I responded to what happened to me. And I have two choices. Either I can forgive or I can be angry and upset. And I began to forgive. I began to forgive, I began to forgive, and I just worked on that and worked on that. What time is it? 12.15. Okay. Just real quick story. Uh, part of helping me work through it was my counselor, Rob Morissette. You heard me talk about him on Easter Sunday. He wrote the book called Generational Restoration. So Rob helped me work through all the issues of forgetting my dad. Some of you have heard this story, but it, it's appropriate at this point. After working through all of that, two weeks later, my dad sends me an email and he says he wants to come visit me. The shocker about that is it was the first time he'd ever written to me, ever. It was the first email I received from him. He said, I'm traveling through the States. I want to come visit you. I said, Terry, you're not going to believe it. My dad wrote to us. She said, about what? I said, he wants to come and see us. So he came. We had a good visit. It was pleasant. It didn't degenerate into disrespect or dishonor. And then he went on his road trip. The amazing thing about that story is my dad and I had not talked for 10 years. The 10 years that we did not speak to each other, we lived next door to each other. Then I went to Idaho, which is where I had this counseling. I'm living halfway around the world. I work things out in my heart, and all of a sudden, he calls me, and he wants to come and visit. It was like God opened up something in the spirit realm for our relationship to begin to be restored. That's the power of forgiveness. That's just one aspect, one of the first steps toward being able to honor so then I began to apply that not only with my dad, but other authority figures. I began to apply it with my supervisors. I began to apply it with my pastor. I began to apply it with the previous pastors. I began to apply it with the Asia leadership team and the people that oversee us. And, you know, as I do that, that promise in the fifth commandment, which says, if you honor, life will go well with you, that has begun to happen and to unfold. There's blessing in unity 
as Nita mentioned a while back. Unity comes through honor, as we honor one another. You know, years ago, I would never name all the different people that were involved in mugs and muffins and who moved the chairs and who did this and that and all the life groups. It's because I was so focused on myself. But now I love to honor other people. It makes you feel good, but it also allows the blessing to flow among us and through us. It's a good thing. And so I want us to create a culture of honor here at Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. When we honor each other, it's a way of honoring God. Your family will be healthier. Your work environment will be blessed. Your life group will be better. Your friendships will grow. And we will be a light. Amen? Most of all, most of all God will be honored. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your kingdom is a kingdom of honor. And I thank you, God, that you have called us as your sons and daughters into royalty. I thank you, God, that in you we have a destiny. Thank you that through Jesus, you've given us a new identity. God, right now, we just want to receive the life that you intended for us. And so in your seats right now, I just want to invite you while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed to spend some time alone with God. Jesus honored you when he came here and gave his life for you. We can't give what we've not received. I just want to encourage you to receive the honor that God has for you. He's given you a place in his family. He's invited you to sit with him, to be with him. That's his heart. And I invite you to receive his invitation. Whether you're a new Christian, a seasoned Christian, it's all good. Receive his invitation to be with him. This is a great honor to be with him in his love and his light and his power and to sit at his feet and to listen. Just receive that honor in your heart, in your spirit. Maybe it doesn't feel right, it's hard, doesn't feel comfortable to receive that. It may not have a place to land in your heart. If that's you, just say, God, help me. Lord, what is it that I'm believing? What's my wrong thinking that doesn't allow me to be comfortable with you and your great gift? And the Lord will show you. He will speak to you. He'll show you the way. He'll show you your heart. 
It'll help you find your way into his presence to abide with him. Just receive his love and his grace. It's out of his provision for your heart that you will be able to give to others what you have received, to give forgiveness, to give honor, to give love, to give grace. Just freely receive and freely give so that your life is like a channel where rivers of living water are flowing through crystal clear waters of God's spirit and God's love. Let him fill you. Let your heart soak up his presence and abide in his love. Just receive him now. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to deserve it or to work for it. It's a free gift. It's by faith. Just receive. Allow the Father to bless you. Just welcome the Father's embrace. Allow him to love you. And as you do, may the Lord use you to love others and to honor others. Create a culture of honor here in God's house, with God's family, in your life group, at Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship, between other brothers and sisters in other churches. Culture of honor. Let us be a light. Let people see Jesus in us. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to address another group here in the audience today. As you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God, that's something that has been on your heart lately. In fact, the reason you're here today is because you're searching. And if you've never made a formal choice to invite God into your life, if you've never made a conscious decision, but you would like to, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'll simply pray out loud. You pray along with me. Hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. We're going to pray in a moment. But before we do, I want to, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And if that describes you, I have a signal, which is if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if this sounds like something that you would like to do, go ahead and look up at this time and we'll pray together in a moment. Let's pray. God, I want to know you. I want to experience you. And I'm deciding today to open up to you. I'm wanting to open my life to you and I invite you to come in and show yourself to me. God, I ask you to forgive me for things I've done. I thank you for Jesus, for his sacrifice, for his forgiveness. And I receive you now into my life by faith. If you're praying this prayer, just let him, by his Holy Spirit, come into your life. He's here for you. He loves you. He forgives you. Receive his forgiveness into your heart. It's for you. It's for you. Father, I thank you for coming into my life. I thank you for forgiving me. Would you reveal yourself to me and reveal your ways to me? Show me how to live. Give me a brand new start. 
I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.